Welcome to the Improve the News podcast for Wednesday, August 9th, 2023, where we separate the spin from the facts. I'm Scott Wallace. And I'm Melissa Topsher with today's headlines. Brazil hosts a landmark Amazon summit. Montana missile silos spark cancer concerns. At least seven are killed in Russian missile strikes on Donetsk. China drafts rules for using facial recognition technology. Prosecutors seek to prevent Trump from sharing January 6 case evidence. India bars military drone makers from using Chinese parts. Disney creates an AI task force. Norway says it will fine Meta $98,500 per day for breaching user privacy. Air pollution is linked to a rise in antibiotic resistance. And a study finds AI is 90% effective at identifying passwords from keyboard sounds. In our first story, Brazil hosts an Amazon rainforest summit. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters, The Guardian, ABC News, U.S. News and World Report, The Associated Press, and Al Jazeera. South American leaders from the eight Amazon rainforest countries gathered in Belém, Brazil, on Tuesday for the first time in 14 years to discuss issues facing the region and to reach a broad agreement on topics such as deforestation and the financing of sustainable development. Five national leaders in the eight-member Amazon Cooperation Treaty Organization, or ACTO, attended the summit, including host President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, Bolivia's Luis Arce, Colombia's Gustavo Petro, Guyana's Mark Phillips, and Peru's Dina Bularte. Venezuela's vice president and the foreign ministers from Suriname and Ecuador represented their countries. Da Silva spoke of the urgent need to protect the Amazon as well as address the rampant crime plaguing the region. The ACTO countries were expected to announce an agreement, dubbed the Belém Declaration, by Tuesday afternoon, aimed at stopping deforestation by 2030, ending illegal gold mining, and promoting cooperation of the enforcement of cross-border laws governing environmental crime. ACTO has existed for 45 years, but has only convened three times. Da Silva also tried to convene the bloc during his first term in 2009, but was only joined by Guyana's president. So far, only Brazil and Colombia have committed to completely stop deforestation by 2030. Two-thirds of the massive rainforest, about twice the size of India, lies in Brazil which cut down a sizable portion of the Amazon while pursuing economic development under former President Jair Bolsonaro. Activists claim deforestation must stop before it reaches a tipping point. On this program, we separate the spin from the facts. Melissa just laid out the facts. Let's start our narrative spins with this left narrative from Bloomberg. Lula da Silva is taking the initiative needed to save the Amazon and protect a precious ecosystem that is indispensable to the entire world. While his predecessor destroyed the Amazon with little regard for the environment in the pursuit of economic gain, Lula understands the urgency of the climate crisis. Lula's leadership skills are shining as he looks to get other countries on board with a plan to stop deforestation by 2030 and end the exploitation of Amazon resources. The right narrative comes from Jovern Pan. Lula never misses out on an opportunity to grandstand and politicize a serious topic. He may pitch ambitious goals that seem noble at first, but the truth is Lula lacks a plan and vision to execute his message. 
While he may get praise for pitching net-zero deforestation within seven years, he has yet to show how that can be done in a way that honors land rights and doesn't completely destroy economic development. And from time to time, we have statistics-based nerd narratives brought to us by the Metaculous Prediction community. This one says there's a 26% chance that Brazil will reach net-zero deforestation before the year 2031. Melissa, the uh, ACTO only meeting three times over the course of uh, 45 years reminds me of that quote from Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec. (laughs) I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. We still never talk sometimes. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the government. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you are an organization that never has to meet, I guess that's a good thing. On the other hand, I think they really need to meet. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, agreed. It might be slightly overdue. Yeah, Yeah. let's amp it up a little bit. Like, I'm not saying we should swing the pendulum, you know, meet every day or anything, but, you know, once a decade, maybe let's like pump it up a little bit. Yeah. Does a pendulum have to swing all the Uh, way in the other direction before it starts to come back to the middle? I mean, only if the laws of physics are true. The U.S. Air Force orders a cleanup of missile silos over cancer concerns. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CBS News, Fox News, the New York Daily News, Al Jazeera, and the Associated Press. On Monday, the U.S. Air Force announced a cleanup will be undertaken at two launch facilities at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, where unsafe levels of a carcinogen have been detected as cancer cases among those working at missile silos spike. A rash of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cases at missile launch sites spurred a review in January as at least 30 personnel stationed at missile sites have been diagnosed with the disease, including nine at Malmstrom AFB. The U.S. Air Force had said immediate measures will be taken in response to environmental testing at Malmstrom AFB, where heightened levels of carcinogenic polychlorinated biphenyls, or PCB, were detected. Two out of 300 surface samples had levels of PCBs above government guidelines, while all air samples came back negative. Reports from water and soil samples are forthcoming, as around 21,000 missileers are believed to have served at silos since the Minuteman Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Program began in the 1960s. Around 268 individuals are reported to have suffered from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, according to an advocacy group. The American Cancer Society says non-Hodgkin's lymphoma only affects around 19 out of 100,000 Americans each year. The Air Force School of Aerospace Medicine is launching a study to see if the incidence among those in the missile community constitutes a cancer cluster. There are three bases with the Minuteman 3 facilities, Malmstrom AFB, Wyoming's F.E. Warren AFB, and North Dakota's Mino AFB, with samples from the remaining two forthcoming. Those serving long hours on duty at the bases have long complained of aging technology, poor water quality, and poor ventilation. Thank you, Scott, for those facts. And we will start this round of narrative spins with a pro-establishment narrative from Air and Space Forces magazine. The U.S. Air Force is taking extensive steps to ensure the health and safety of those on the front line of America's missile program, as copious samples are taken from every nook and cranny of the bases and silos. Only a handful of samples detected PCBs as they were phased out many years ago, with the study underway to get to the bottom of cancer concerns. Nothing is more important than the health of the troops. 
and The Washington Post brings us the establishment-critical narrative. The Pentagon has long ignored the health risks of those in the military faced from exposure to toxins, and those who served in the missile program are no exception. In fact, it took a slideshow made individually by a service member to finally bring attention to the incidence of non-Hodgkin lymphoma in those who served, despite dozens of cases. These sad revelations just confirm what too many service members and their family already knew. I was chatting with my friend about this story earlier today, and our solution we came up with is that whoever, whatever legislator who thinks it's a good idea to have these nuclear waste or missile storage facilities, good news, part of your pay is a house. The only catch is the house is right next to the facility. So make sure it's good. I I think that's awesome. Putting the people who make the decisions right next to the things they decide would change. I think that might shape their decision a little more. And I'm not even trying to be a jerk. Like, I think it would actually result in a better, like, they would make sure this thing is good. Or if it can't be done well, then it won't be done. Great. Right. Right. Then they would be asking, for sure, would be asking the question, well, you know, do we really need these missiles? At least seven are killed and scores more injured in Russian missile strikes on Donetsk. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Ukranska Pravda and the Associated Press. At least seven people were killed and 88 more were injured after Russian missiles struck the Donetsk city of Pokrovsk in the early hours of Tuesday, local officials have said. According to Pavlo Kirilenko, Ukraine's governor for Donetsk, which is largely occupied by Russia, the dead consisted of five civilians, one rescue worker, and one soldier. He added the injured consisted of 31 police officers, seven emergency service workers, and four soldiers. Kirilenko also said that the two missiles struck within 40 minutes of each other, accusing Russia of employing a double-tap military jargon for deliberately targeting rescue workers as they search for survivors from the initial strike on the scene. He further stated that 12 multi-story buildings were damaged as well as a hotel, a pharmacy, two stores, and two cafes. A further four civilians were killed and nine more were injured in two separate attacks on the Kharkiv region overnight. Russia was accused of deploying a similar double-tap tactic in Kharkiv, with local officials stating that emergency service workers were fired upon while conducting rescue operations at one of the blast sites. Two of them were among the injured. Thanks, Melissa. The Associated Press brings us the pro-establishment narrative. Not only has Russia repeatedly launched attacks on Ukrainian civilians, they have repeatedly deployed the double-tap strategy that deliberately targets its emergency service workers. The international community must condemn these barbaric attacks. The pro-Russia narrative comes from TASS. Russia has repeatedly made clear that it does not and would not target civilians. All strikes are directed at military targets, including military warehouses, fuel depots, and training facilities. These latest statements from Ukrainian officials are attempts to vilify justified Russian counterattacks. A cyberspace watchdog will restrict facial recognition technology in China. Here are the facts as agreed upon by France 24, CNBC, Reuters, TechCrunch, and China Daily. China's cyberspace regulator, the Cyberspace Administration of China, or CAC, issued draft rules on Tuesday to oversee the security management of facial recognition technology in the country. 
The draft policy would restrict businesses' use of the technology, requiring companies to obtain individual consent before using facial recognition and ensure it's only used for specific purposes. As a nation with high surveillance, China has thousands of closed-circuit TV cameras, and facial recognition technology is widely used in everything from day-to-day law enforcement to monitoring political activity. The increasing use of facial recognition technology by Chinese companies and local governments has raised concerns over privacy and bias. Some residential areas require facial scans to access buildings, and there is concern about the accuracy and fairness of algorithms, especially with regards to minority groups. China's top internet watchdog has also called for an outright ban on the installation of spy cameras in hotel rooms, public bathrooms, changing rooms, toilets, and other places where privacy may be infringed upon. The CAC has asked the public to respond to its proposal on its official website. Residents can also send their ideas through postal or email before the September 7th deadline, according to the administration. Thank you, Scott, for those facts. And we'll begin with a pro-China narrative from the China Daily. China is a world leader in monitoring technology, and its vast network of CCTV cameras, if effectively enforced, is an invaluable tool to enhance public security. Nevertheless, the latest proposal shows that Beijing also takes privacy and bias concerns seriously and is stepping up efforts to establish more defined boundaries for the technology's usage. And the anti-China narrative comes from The New York Times. China is certainly a world leader in the mass surveillance of its people, and these new guidelines are nothing but window dressing. The Chinese government helms a massive, invasive surveillance program that monitors every aspect of everyday life, with facial recognition restrictions doing little to curtail the surveillance regime in the country. These new measures are fooling nobody. And we have another nerd narrative. This one says there's a 50% chance that an algorithm will be able to predict the big five personality traits of a person from a naturalistic photograph or video by December 2025. That's according to the Metaculous Prediction Community. Prosecutors and Trump lawyers joust over protective order. Here are the facts as agreed upon by The Guardian, Al Jazeera, ABC News, and The Independent. Federal prosecutors working with special counsel Jack Smith on Monday asked U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin to turn down former President Donald Trump's request for fewer restrictions on what evidence he can make public about his election obstruction case. Last week, Trump was charged with four felonies related to his alleged attempt to obstruct certification of the 2020 presidential results in favor of President Joe Biden. Prosecutors requesting the protective order claim they seek to prevent Trump from using information during discovery to intimidate witnesses and cited the former president's August 4th Truth Social post, which said, quote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. They also said Trump, a candidate for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination, had previously issued public statements against individuals during other legal cases he's involved in. Trump's lawyers responded by describing the requested protective order as too broad and restrictive of Trump's First Amendment rights. Trump on Monday again posted on Truth Social, this time writing that Chutkin is Smith's, quote, dream judge, and that the order is intended to restrict his freedom of speech. Well, believe it or not, Melissa, we have some uh, diametrically opposed political narratives on this story. Let's start with the Democratic narrative from USA Today. For the sake of the integrity of the judicial system and the safety of anyone Trump considers an enemy, Chutkin must impose the strictest gag order possible. 
Trump's social media rants are nothing new, but as was proven on January 6, 2021, his followers can turn to violence when instructed. He must be stopped before someone gets hurt or this case gets tarnished. And Town Hall brings us a pro-Trump narrative. The witch hunt against Trump continues. The prosecutor's charges against Trump violate his First Amendment rights to question the results of the election. And now they want to stifle his ability to speak on his own behalf. With a biased Obama-appointed judge overseeing this case, Trump can't get a fair shake. And the weaponization of the Justice Department to stop a political opponent will unfortunately continue. And we have another nerd narrative from Metaculus. This time they predict there's a 35% chance that Trump will be jailed or incarcerated before the year 2030. India bars military drone makers from using Chinese parts. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters, Quartz, India Today, Asia Financial, The Business Recorder, and Saltwire. According to four defense and industry officials, as well as documents accessed by Reuters, India has in recent months barred domestic manufacturers of military drones from using components made in China. The decision was reportedly made due to security concerns, with sources citing worries surrounding communication systems, cameras, radio transmissions, and operating software within drones. Reuters suggests that two meetings took place in February and March, during which India's military told potential bidders that acquiring equipment from nations sharing land borders was unacceptable for security reasons. A senior defense official claims that references to neighboring nations were a direct reference to China, where an official supplier for small Indian military drones, new space research and technologies, said 70% of components had been imported from. India's decision was also apparently based upon a desire to break free from its dependency on China, despite the country's concerns surrounding cyber attacks. Beijing has denied any role in Indian cyber attacks. India has set aside 75% of its 1.6 trillion rupee, or 19.77 billion U.S. dollar military modernization budget for domestic industry. The latest decision follows the U.S., where Congress barred the Pentagon from buying or using drones and or components made in China in 2019. Thank you for those facts, Scott, and we'll begin with an anti-China narrative from India News. Through vast investment, China currently holds a grip on India in the global information war. While China's policy is not India-specific and often targets countries neck deep in debt to Beijing, India must reject China's growing influence over the state. In the age of technology, conflict is not fought merely using weapons, and Modi's government must be wary of Beijing's expansive tools of control. We have a pro-China narrative from China Daily. China, since 2002, has gradually enforced export controls in line with common international norms and practices concerning high-performance, unmanned aerial devices. China will continue with such a practice and uphold the belief that technological advances should only be used in good faith for the global benefit of all people. And the nerds are at it again, with the Metaculous Prediction community saying there's a 15% chance of a China-India war by 2035. Disney creates an AI task force. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNBC, Fortune, Reuters, PC Magazine, Verdict, and The Messenger. Reuters reported Tuesday, citing three sources, that the Walt Disney Company has recently launched a task force to study artificial intelligence, looking to develop possible in-house applications and partner with startups. 
Disney has long invested in technology innovation, holding over 4,000 active patents and another roughly 2,000 that have expired. One of the first was filed by Walt Disney himself in 1936 for a table designed to make animating cartoons easier. One of the sources, an internal supporter who argued that legacy media companies like Disney must either harness the must either harness the emerging technology or risk obsolescence, advocates that AI will help cut the high costs of audiovisual production. The company has currently been focused on reducing costs, scrapping plans for a billion-dollar office complex in Orlando. It has further announced its intention to cut 7,000 jobs this year while increasing the price of a Disney Plus subscription. News of this push comes as the use of generative AI to replace Hollywood actors and writers has become a controversial issue within the industry, with 11,500 members of the Writers Guild of America going on strike in May to demand new rules. The actors' union SAG-AFTRA joined the walkout in July. As concerns grow about the potential impact of this technology on jobs and the possibility that it could develop derivative content based on their work without compensation. Thanks, Melissa. Wired Magazine brings us Narrative A. Even though studios are still kickstarting their efforts in artificial intelligence, it's crucial to understand that this human competitive intelligence is not risk free to the point that some AI experts and tech leaders have urged for a pause in its development. It's not because machines can write movies and series that they should, or that they will generate the best stories. And here's Narrative B from National Review. It would be irrational not to let artificial intelligence replace humans if it ever became able to produce more entertaining series and movies at a lower cost than we do. However, if live actors and human writers make better movies as they claim, then they have nothing to fear, as consumers will refuse to spend their hard-earned dollars on inferior AI-generated products. And another nerd narrative from Metaculus. This one predicts there's a 50% chance that an original, wholly AI-generated feature film will rank number one on a popular streaming service by October 2029. Oh, there was an interesting fact with... Walt Disney, uh, one of the first technology innovation patents was first filed by Walt Disney himself in 1936 for a a table designed to make animating cartoons easier. Oh, I've actually seen a behind the scenes thing about that. Yeah, it was there was something to do with layering. I think it was layering over the, you know, because the very unlike Snow White or something, the back is a big painting and then they're animating these things over that. And uh, it was, yeah, it was some table innovation that allowed the artists to be able to see the background while they were making the animation cells or something, I think. Yeah. It was, actually, it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty quaint at this point, but like, wow, that would really make it a lot easier. I remember I saw it was one of those things where like Walt Disney himself was smoking a cigarette and telling you, you know, taking right. you through the animation studios. Right. And I, uh, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That, it's cool. It's cool. to. I mean, that, that fact gives me hope of like, you know, okay, this doesn't have to go completely haywire and, and, and completely work against humanity. Right. It could, you know, no one's complaining about the, the animation quality of Encanto anymore. You know, it's, no, it's that's good. true. Yeah. The, the the big question is, will there be a point where we go too far? You know, there's the 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 myth or urban legend that if you pick up a, a baby calf, which any of us could do every day, that baby calf will be slightly heavier. So if you pick it up every single day, you should be able to lift the whole cow at the end. Mm. And 
it's actually not true because at some point it would be too heavy. For, even though you're just adding an ounce every single day, it yeah. eventually you can't. You're a, you're a you're a fitness expert. You can't lift a cow, right? Can you confirm there is, that? There is a point where your weight, unless you weigh as much as a cow, yeah, it's going to be pretty hard. It would be too much. At some point, your like ligaments would tear, even if you could lift it up or something. You know, it would just right. be so. At some point. Yes, okay, we have this animation table, which maybe was controversial in its day. And then we had computer anim. I remember when it was a big deal when Aladdin had the one scene where the 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 temple, you know, kind of fell into lava and that was all computer, or Beauty and the Beast had the big rotating dance going on, and just that one scene was computer. And then mm. we had Toy Story and things like that. And then I'm sure there's major, even for movies that look like they're hand-drawn now, it's mainly done with computers probably at this yeah. point. Yeah, they're using uh, software to draw yeah. in, in the, at the least. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, but then at some point, when will that a line be crossed where that cow is just too heavy to hold? Right. Even you, though it's just another increment that's not that bad, but like, oh, we've gone too far. We can't hold the cow yeah. anymore. Can't lift uh, the computer can't lift yep. computer. Ironically, computers are much lighter now. My, my MacBook Pro true. M2 is, is very light, very yeah. easy to walk around with. Norway to find Meta $98,500 daily over a privacy breach. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Euractiv, Reuters, The Register, and The Guardian. Beginning August 14th, Norway's Data Protection Authority will find Facebook's parent company Meta 1 million krone or $98,500 per day for privacy breaches, including harvesting users' locations and using them for targeted advertising. This comes after the watchdog, known as Datatil Synet, warned last month that it would temporarily ban Meta's tracking and profiling of users in the country, adding that if it continued, the company would risk being fined. Meta last week said it plans to begin asking users in the EU, European Economic Area, and Switzerland for consent before allowing targeted advertising on its networks. Before that, Meta defended its practices by arguing it had a legitimate interest to gather data, though regulators dismissed the claim. Though the fines are scheduled to end on November 3rd, Datatil Synet could make them permanent by referring its decision to the European Data Protection Board, which could broaden the scope of the rule to all of Europe. Even if Meta chooses not to abide by Norway's new rules and the fine was imposed for the entirety of the three-month ban, it would only add up to a fraction of 1% of the company's Q1 2023 profits. Thank you, Scott. And we'll start this round with an establishment critical narrative from Insane Forums. Meta has clearly been deceitful in getting permission to track Norwegians' locations and other sensitive data, which is why the government's privacy regulator has had to step in. Vulnerable Facebook and Instagram users, most notably children, have unwittingly signed up to be watched by this tech giant. So it may be time for the entire continent to start finding Meta until it finally offers a genuine, easy-to-understand consent form. And the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation brings us the pro-establishment narrative. What regulators don't understand is that if they ban targeted advertising, the cost of social media would jump tremendously. And obviously, the poor and less fortunate would be impacted most by those costs. We cannot forget how social media companies gave previously unheard people a voice and previously isolated people access to economic opportunity. A new study says antibiotic resistance is linked to air pollution. Here are the facts as agreed upon by The Guardian. 
The Lancet, Politico, CNN, The Financial Times, and Euronews. According to a global study published Monday in The Lancet Planetary Health, antibiotic resistance among pathogenic bacterial infections may be linked to increased fine particle, or PM2.5, air pollution. The researchers used a fixed-effect panel model to analyze public health data from 116 countries between 2000 and 2018 and evaluate the correlations between PM2.5 air pollution and aggregate antibiotic resistance. An analysis of more than 11.5 million lab test results covering nine bacterial pathogens and 43 types of antibiotics revealed that with every 1% rise in PM2.5 air pollution, antibiotic resistance increased between 0.5% and 1.9%. The researchers warned that if PM2.5 air pollution levels continue to rise at the same rate, the level of antibiotic resistance worldwide will likely be about 17% higher in 2050. The study estimates that about 10 million people could die due to diseases that cannot be treated by antibiotics by 2050. About 1.27 million deaths were attributed to bacterial antimicrobial resistance in 2019. According to the World Health Organization, antibiotic resistance is one of the biggest threats to global health as many infections, including pneumonia and tuberculosis, are becoming more challenging to treat. Thanks, Melissa. Narrative A comes from The National. The new study is an alarming eye-opener. While the authors admit there are limitations to their research, including a lack of data from some low- and middle-income countries, the fact that curbing PM2.5 air pollution could significantly help reduce antibiotic resistance, prevent millions of deaths, and save economic costs stemming from antibiotic-resistant infections. The Guardian brings us Narrative B. There is still a large amount of uncertainty in our understanding of the potential link between antibiotic resistance and air pollution, with the data at this stage still primarily observational. The findings must be further tested to examine why the two might be related and whether this analysis is accurate. As the main drivers of antibiotic resistance are still the misuse and overuse of antibiotics, the results should be taken with a bit of caution when applying them to specific regions. And we have a nerd narrative from Metaculus. This one says there's a 50% chance that the average annual level of PM2.5 in Beijing will be at least 40 in 2023. Melissa, I have a health medicine question for you. Okay. <laughs> so I'm currently uh, suffering from a bowel infection. Enjoy your lunch, everybody. And oh, yeah. I'm taking um, antibiotics. Now, as I understand it, that's going to kind of wipe out my biome in my gut and I'll have to build that back up. Should I be taking probiotics now while I'm taking the antibiotics or is that counter in, is that going to counter the antibiotics and I should wait until I'm done? Okay, first of all, I should say I am not a doctor. Go on. <laughs> but but if it were me and I were just asking myself, I would right. wait. Yeah. Destroy. The, it's like farming, right? Let's just destroy all the seed of one before and then turn the soil over before, you, you know, you mm -hmm. know, turn the soil over before you put a plant a new seed, you know. Our final story, a study says AI can identify passwords by the sound of a keyboard. Here are the facts as agreed upon by PC Magazine, Fortune Magazine, Ars Technica and The Guardian. 
A study conducted by British researchers has found that artificial intelligence, by solely listening to the sound of keys being pressed, can detect a password being typed on a physical keyboard with 90% accuracy. The researchers pressed all 36 keys on a MacBook Pro, including all of the letters and numbers, 25 times in a row, using different fingers and with varying pressure. The sounds were recorded from a short distance away via Zoom and a phone, which were used to train a machine learning program. The researchers claimed that laptops are particularly susceptible to their keyboards being recorded, especially when used in quiet spaces like libraries, cafes, or offices. The dangers are multiplied since most laptops have uniform, non-modular keyboards with similar acoustic profiles across models. The authors suggest creating complex passwords containing letters, numbers, and symbols to mitigate these risks. They say AI can detect the use of the shift key, however, it can't yet recognize the moment the key is released, doubling the search space of characters after the shift key is pressed. AI's keyboard detection capabilities, which were also found to be 95% accurate when recorded by a nearby phone, can uncover more than just passwords, including sensitive emails or documents. The study comes 10 years after the Dropmeyer scandal, which revealed the U.S. was likely spying on its European allies through side-channel attacks, such as wires, radio frequencies, or sound. Scientists have used computer sounds to read PGP keys and used machine learning and webcam mics to see a remote screen. Thank you, Scott, for those facts, and we'll begin with a narrative A from the Washington Post. As AI surpasses our outdated computer safety programs and legal policies exponentially, criminals will soon be able to simply ask their AI bot to breach any type of sensitive information in any number of ways. Hackers in China have already fooled tax authorities with fake facial recognition of a person, so it's impossible to say what they'll do once they've acquired passwords via keyboard eavesdropping. And Narrative B comes from CNBC. While criminals will certainly try to use AI for their nefarious purposes, the cybersecurity industry, too, is increasingly utilizing the technology to beat hackers at their own games. As AI can detect and assess cyber threats faster than human analysts, security experts will now be able to tackle more crimes while exhausting less time and resources. Thanks for listening to the Improve the News podcast for Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Each day we use machine learning to read about 5,000 articles from about 100 newspapers and figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all articles agree on and the key narratives where the articles differ. For more information on Improve the News, please visit our website, improvethenews.org. You can also download our app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Scott Wallace, I'm Melissa Topshire, inviting you to join us next time on Improve the News. Improve the News.